This is the Bible in one year, day 139. Your hope in times of trouble. In recent times, our world has been shaken in ways that are unprecedented for many of us in our lifetime. The COVID-19 pandemic, wars, terrorism, and the global financial crises. Almost everyone, each in our own way, has been dealing with fear, grief, and trauma. However difficult your situation may be, however much trouble you are facing in your life, you can have hope. Hope is the confident expectation of God's ultimate blessing in this life and the life to come, based upon the goodness and promises of God. With Jesus, there is always hope. Like Lazarus in our New Testament passage for today, some parts of the church have been prematurely declared dead. In his book, The Death of Christian Britain, Callum Brown writes, This book is about the demise of the nation's core religious moral identity. As historical changes go, this has been no lingering and drawn-out affair. It took several centuries in what historians used to call the Dark Ages to convert Britain to Christianity. But it has taken less than 40 years for the country to forsake it. We often read headlines such as Crisis in the Church, Dramatic Decline in Attendance, and Church Attendance Figures Fall Again. At the same time, today we are seeing the results of a society that is attempting to shut God out. Every day in Britain, around 300 couples are divorced. Somebody calls the Samaritans every 14 seconds. The pornographic industry is worth billions of pounds. There are 30,000 Christian clergy of all types and more than 80,000 registered witches and fortune tellers. Britain is not the only nation in trouble. Many other nations are going through difficult times. As well as on a national level, all of us are likely at some point to face times of trouble in our own individual lives. Trouble can take many forms. What is your hope in times of trouble? From Psalm 64 Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of evildoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent. They shoot suddenly without fear. They encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, who will see it? They plot injustice and say, oh, we have devised a perfect plan. Surely the human mind and heart are cunning. But God will shoot them with his arrows. They will suddenly be struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. All who see them will shake their heads in scorn. All people will fear. They will proclaim the works of God and ponder what he has done. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glory in him. Hope in the ultimate triumph of good over evil. Do you ever feel terrified by something you're facing in your life? David faced the terror of the enemy. 
he went through times of real trouble. The conspirators out to get me, evil plans and traps. Yet he's confident that God will triumph over evil. What should you do when you face similar troubles? The psalm today gives us some clues. Cry out to God. David prays, Listen and help, O God. David asks God, Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. As the Apostle Paul puts it, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Stay close to the Lord. Take refuge in Him. Fly to God. Keep praising God. Let all the upright in heart praise Him. Make praise your habit. Lord, thank you that I can be confident in the ultimate triumph of good over evil and that I am never alone. Lord, I praise you. New Testament from John 11 Now a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, This illness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was for two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. 
I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Do you fear death? Many people are afraid of death. But if you put your faith in Jesus, you do not need to fear death. Jesus has defeated the power of death. I once heard the English comedian Russell Brand say, Laughter is addictive because of the inevitability of death. It gives us a temporary escape. For the moment, it stops the fear of the inevitability of death. Every human being will face the trouble of death. Where does your hope lie? In today's passage, we see the full humanity of Jesus in the face of death. Lazarus was his friend. Jesus loved him and his family. He was deeply moved and troubled by Lazarus's death. In the shortest verse in the Bible, we read, Jesus wept. Yet Jesus is also uniquely the answer to death. Jesus said to Martha, Your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. Jesus' response was, You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. There is life beyond the grave. Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who believes in Jesus will rise again from the dead. As a foretaste of the future, 
Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. The story of Lazarus is the story of each one of us. Jesus calls you to rise up and become fully alive in order to give life, to bring hope to your family, friends, work colleagues and the world. This resurrection power is within you. Paul writes to the church in Rome, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the basis of your future hope. Christianity is the largest movement of all time. It's the only one that never loses a member through death. I remember one of my sons when he was a little boy saying, when you die, I'll be sad. Then I'll see you in heaven and I won't be sad anymore. Mother Teresa was asked shortly before her death, are you afraid of dying? She said, how can I be? Dying is going home to God. I've never been afraid. No, on the contrary, she said, I'm really looking forward to it. This passage also indirectly provides a picture of hope for the church. There is sickness in parts of the church and many are declaring its death. Some parts of the church seem to have fallen asleep and in some cases there seems to be a bad odour. This passage reminds us of Jesus' power to bring even the dead to life. This resurrection power is still at work in the church today. The same Jesus who said over Lazarus, this sickness will not end in death, also promised that he would build his church and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Some parts of the church seem to have been prematurely buried. Jesus said about Lazarus, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Maybe Jesus would say something similar to parts of the church today. The Brighton and Hove Argus described what has happened to one of our church plants in Peter's Brighton as the Lazarus-like recovery of the city's unofficial cathedral. We have called our church planting program Project Lazarus. Lord, thank you for your resurrection power that is in me and that like Lazarus, you call me to rise up and bring hope to others. I pray today for my family, friends, colleagues. Please bring new life to them. May we see the church come alive all across the nations. Old Testament from 1 Samuel 2-4 Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice? and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me, will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house, so that no one in it will reach old age and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, 
No one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house, and they will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread, and plead, appoint me to some priestly office so that I can have food to eat. 1 Samuel chapter 3 The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons uttered blasphemies against God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. 
May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. 1 Samuel chapter 4 And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines at Aphek. The Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel, and as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Shiloh, so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, What's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A god has come into the camp, they said. Oh no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The Ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. That same day, a Benjaminite ran from the battle line and went to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair by the side of the road, watching, because his heart feared for the ark of God. When the man entered the town and told what had happened, the whole town sent up a cry. Eli heard the outcry and asked, What is the meaning of this uproar? The man hurried over to Eli, who was ninety-eight years old, and whose eyes had failed so that he could not see. He told Eli, I have just come from the battle line. I fled from it this very day. Eli asked, What happened, my son? The man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines, and the army has suffered heavy losses. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backwards off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken, 
and he died, for he was an old man, and he was heavy. He had led Israel for forty years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth, but was overcome by her labor pains. As she was dying, the women attending her said, Don't despair, you've given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because of the capture of the Ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the Ark of God has been captured. Hope in the Word of the Lord Do you realize that God wants to speak to you? You can say, like Samuel, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. These were times of trouble, not just for the people of God, but for everyone. It was a time when it seemed that God was almost silent. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. It must have been heartbreaking for Eli to see his own sons dishonoring the Lord. They slept with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. They dishonored God, who had said, Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me will be disdained. As a result of the dishonoring of God, the people of God are defeated. Eli dies heartbroken. His daughter-in-law gives birth to a child with the name Ichabog. The glory has departed. Yet in the midst of these terrible times of trouble for the people of God, there is hope. The Lord called Samuel. God revealed himself to Samuel and he listened to the Lord. He said, speak. God, I'm your servant, ready to listen. The Lord said, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. Samuel was prepared to pass on the message in its entirety. However unpopular, embarrassing and difficult it was, he did not hide anything. As a result, God was able to use him greatly. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Help me to listen carefully to the word of God and then pass it on that others too may hope in the word of the Lord. Pepper adds, I long to hear God's voice more clearly. And as I look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, God started speaking to Samuel when he was a child. Maybe I would hear God more clearly if my head wasn't quite so cluttered with so many things. Samuel didn't have life's usual distraction. He had less of the world and much more of God.